to ask you to take your Bible. We're going to look in the Old Testament, uh, the book of Jonah. It's a story that, you, uh, that you're well familiar with. And so we turn there, Jonah chapter 1. One of the great things about Jonah, it is very intense. It just starts off intense, and it stays intense. And so uh, it's a wonderful book to be able to study and look at today. So let's look. We're going to look at the first three verses. So Jonah chapter 1. There in the Old Testament, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish, and so he paid the fare. He went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And let's have prayer together, okay? Lord, will you bless us this morning? Help us, Lord, to understand your word. May we be challenged, and may, Lord, you just be at work in our lives. We're so thankful for what's been accomplished in 2021. And, Lord, we look for great things to happen in 2022. Help us each one to be able to know that we're walking in your will. And I pray your blessings on each person that's here. In Jesus' name, amen. There was a couple that went to a marriage counselor. It was their first trip. So the counselor, he asked, he said, what seems to be the problem here? And so one of them spoke up and said, well, the problem started back on New Year's Day when we decided that we would each pick the other's New Year's resolution. Ooh, you just think about that. That may not be the best thing for you to do. Where your resolutions can be tough. A lot of people don't pick those, but let me give you a challenge for New Year's. What if our challenge was this, that we wanted to make sure that we were walking in God's will? Would you take that as a challenge? That could be dangerous to say, Lord, I'm committing myself just to being in your will. I wonder sometimes if that's not what Jonah did. If Jonah didn't say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll be willing to do it. But then again, maybe not. Now, as we start and we take a look here at Jonah, one of the first questions comes up, is Jonah actually real? Is this really a real story or is this something that's made up? Now, I've always had a high view of the Bible. In other words, I've, I've always considered the Bible God's Word and believed that it's inspired by God. And so I've, uh, believing that Jonah was a real person has never been a problem for me. But then, when I was in seminary, I had some professors I didn't have very much confidence in, but I had a professor I had a lot of confidence in. And he said, you know, Jonah's not really a real story. He wasn't a real person. He said it was just a parable. There's some people who think it's an allegory, a parable. That, you know, that kind of shook me up just a little bit because I had so much confidence in this fella. And if I believe something, I want to believe it because it's true. Now, he had a high view of the Bible, too, and so it just kind of shook me up a little bit. And so I had to just go back and rethink. And let me tell you something. To have your faith challenged is not a bad thing, especially if you, it causes you to study and to make more certain of what you believe. So there's a couple of verses that's in the Bible that help me to come to a conclusion about Jonah. And one of them is in Matthew 12, verse 40. And there Jesus 
Now, I have a lot of confidence in the Lord Jesus. I've trusted him to be my Lord and Savior for all of eternity. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the well, so the Son of Man will be three days and nights in the earth. Jesus would go on and he would say this to the people there. Jonah went to Nineveh and preached. There's a great revival, but he said, there's one greater than Jonah with you today. And I tell you that to tell you that Jesus Christ himself believed that Jonah was a real person. So on his authority, this is no parable. This is not an allegory. This is a story that's a part of history that really happened. Then, let me give you one other verse, and that's found in uh, 2 Kings Second Kings chapter 14, and it's verse 25. And listen to what it says. This is speaking about God. He restored the territory to, of Israel from the entrance of Hamath to the sea of Arabia, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he had spoken. Here it is. He had spoken through his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath-Hefner. So here... In 2 Kings, Jonah is mentioned. So we have a person. He's mentioned a place, a place close to Nazareth that he's from. He's mentioned a time. You see, when all this took place, we went back a couple more verses. We learned it was during the reign of King Jeroboam, the second Jeroboam, which would have been about 800 B.C. So now we've got a person, a place, and actually a time period that helps us to know Jonah is a real person. By the way, when you have a parable and you're studying parables, parables normally don't mention names. Here we have Jonah, and he's the son of genealogy, a real person. Also, you'll notice back in the verse that I just read in 2 Kings, it mentions Jonah being a servant, as spoken by the servant. He's God's servant. You know, a servant is a person that submits. A servant is a person that sacrifices. A servant is a person that's humble. Let me tell you something. If you're going to be used by God, you first have to become a servant. Paul, in looking at the qualifications to be a leader within a church, you've got to be careful about pride. And he warns about getting someone that is new that's a novice, that's a new convert. He said, if you're not careful, you'll give them positions and pride will get in the way and cause them to stumble and fall. Jonah was a servant. And then it says he was a prophet. A prophet is a person that speaks truth. By the way, his father's name, Amitte, is a word that means truth. So he's basically the son of truth. If you're going to be a prophet of God, you need to be a person that knows the truth, speaks the truth, lives the truth. And that's Jonah, a person of truth. If you're a prophet, you're a person of influence that makes a difference within a nation and a people. One other thing about Jonah, about who he is, he was also a witness of God's grace. And if back in 2 Kings chapter 14, the context there was... Jonah had prophesied that Jeroboam, that he would be able to go and reclaim some land that Israel had lost. And it happened just like Jonah had said. It all took place. 
Now, did that happen because Jeroboam was such a great guy? No. He was a wicked king that led people to immorality and doing bad things. So why was God good to the nation Israel? It was just God's grace. So Jonah was a person that had witnessed the grace of God. I believe Jonah was a person that experienced God's grace in his own life. Have you experienced the grace of God? The reason that you're a Christian, do you know that none of us deserve the Lord Jesus taking our place? The reason that you're here today, the reason that we're so blessed, it's God's grace. It's not because we deserve it. I listen to Dave Ramsey sometimes on the radio, and he'll, people call in and ask him how he's doing. He'll say, better than I deserve. Well, that's a lot of us. That's all of us. Better than what we deserve. God's grace. And so he was a witness of God's grace. Then Jonah was given this assignment. This probably is not what he is expecting. Jonah was a prophet in Israel. He was expecting to help his nation. God gives him an assignment. He may have said, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And so in verse 2 of Jonah 1, it says, God said to him, Arise. That means I want you to do this right now. I don't want you to stop and think about it. I want you to get up and I want you to go. Arise immediately. Get going. Here's an assignment for you. I don't want you to wait to take action. When God's moving, we want to be able to act. He said, I want you to arise and I want you to go to Nineveh, that great city. Now, here's the problem. Nineveh is 500 miles away. That's a long way away. Nineveh is the capital of their enemy. God, when I said I wanted to be in your will, I didn't want to go to the enemy. See, there's some people that hesitate to saying, I'll do what God wants me to do because they're afraid God's going to send them overseas. I hesitate. Listen, if you can trust God with eternity, I think that you can trust God with your future and that he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And so Jonah's just taken back. You want me to go to Nineveh? Nineveh, he calls a great city. You see, Nineveh was a great city in history, in antiquity. You could read about Nineveh's beginnings back in Genesis chapter 10. Nimrod helped to found Nineveh. It was in that area that they ended up building the Tower of Babel close to that, that led people away from God. So Nineveh goes a long way back in history. Nineveh was a place, it was a great city. It had a, it had a library, it's great learning. It may not sound much to us, but they had over 16,000 clay tablets during that time period in their library. It was a great in size. You couldn't walk through Nineveh in a day. 300 square miles estimated. The walls that surrounded it, they said you could put three chariots side by side on the walls that went around Nineveh. It was great in population. In chapter 4 here of Jonah, he's going to find out that they had 120,000 people that didn't know their right from their left. You may say, I'm not sure I know my right from my left, but that probably means that we're talking about real small children. 120,000 real small children. So it's estimated then that the population at this time 
of Nineveh, you're looking at between 600,000 and a million people. It was a great city in population. So God says to Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. It's a great city. I'm sending you there on a mission. Then he tells him, I want you to preach against their wickedness. And let me tell you something about Nineveh. Not only was it a great city as far as size and population and history, but it was a great in sin. A generation after Jonah, Nahum, also writes about Nineveh. You know about Jonah, but I don't know if you've ever read Nahum, but Nahum is also addressing Nineveh. And so in chapter 3, he mentions some of the sins. These were just being carried over. They've been picked back up. So listen to what he says. This is chapter 3, verse 1 of Nahum. Woe to the bloody city. Speaking of Nineveh. It is full of lies and robbery. Its victim never departs. The noise of a whip. The noise of rattling wheels, of galloping horses, of clattering chariots. Horsemen charged with bright swords and glittering spears. There is a multitude of slain, a great number of bodies, countless corpses. They stumble over the corpses. Because of the multitude of harlotries, of the seductive harlot, the mistress of sorceries, who sells nations through her harlotries and families through her sorceries. Nineveh was full of demonic worship. It was full of adultery. And they were big on war. And when they would go to a place, they had no mercy. They would capture people and they would just kill women, children. They would take people and they would just impel them. They would skin people alive. If you can imagine. They were wicked, vicious, barbarous. And God just finally says, you know what, I've had enough. And so he tells Jonah, he said, Jonah, I want you to go because I want you to address their wickedness. And I'm going to ask you something. How easy is it to confront somebody about their sin? Most people say, I'll talk to anybody about anything but that. I'm not confronting somebody about some evil that they're doing. We just want to overlook everything. We just want to say today, well, it's okay as long as they think it's okay. There is no right and wrong as long as they think it's okay. Well, friend, that is not what God's standard is. God makes it clear there is a right and wrong. And people need to be confronted because there's consequences to our sin. And so, for society's sake, evil needs to be addressed. Now, I can tell you, if you want a successful society, you know what you got to start with? You know how God started in creation? He started with Adam and Eve, and he started putting, he put them together, marriage and a family. That's the foundation of society. So if you want to tear a society apart, you want to ruin it, what you would do is you would go at its foundation and you would rip apart families. Guess what we're doing today? We're redefining what marriage is. We're tearing apart families. Somebody needs to be sent to stand up and say, this is sin, this is wrong. 
God had called Jonah. Confront the wickedness of Nineveh. Preach against it. Well, you can imagine. You go to somewhere like Jonah, that could create a lot of fear. I go, if I go to Nineveh, I'm from an enemy place. They're not going to like me. They may criticize me, persecute me, imprison me. And knowing the Ninevites, they may kill me. But Jonah is given that assignment. Assignment to warn people about judgment. God said 40 days, judgment's coming. So his assignment was to confront them in their wickedness and then to warn them about judgment. Now, when God gives you an assignment, what's keeping you from your assignment? What's keeping you from doing the will of God? Are you afraid? Here's what Jonah said. Later on, see, Jonah knew God was gracious, and so Jonah says later on, he said, God... I knew you were so gracious. That's why I didn't want to go. I didn't want my enemies to be blessed. You see, Israel believed two things about blessings. They believed God had blessed them if two things happened. One, if they had been physically given something, they were blessed. Two, if their enemy was, was punished or harmed or faced judgment, they considered that a blessing. And so here's Jonah, why would I want to go to a place and preach to them so that they can repent and be able to have God's blessings? I don't. Let me ask you something. What about forgiveness? Are you willing to forgive others around you? If I said this is God's will, if God's saying I want you to forgive this person, are you willing to do it? If God's will for you is to be able to stand for truth, God's will for you is to be able to live morally. Are you willing to be able to change? If God reveals there's some sin in your life, are you willing to turn from that? Jonah was given this assignment. And so verse 3 tells us how he handles it. Verse 3 says, Jonah arose. He got up immediately. He arose. And he went down to Joppa, bought a ticket to go to Tarshish. Listen. Nineveh is about 500 miles to the northeast of where he's at. Jonah goes to Joppa, buys a ticket to Tarshish, which is west. He's going in the opposite direction. And Tarshish is considered to be where modern-day Spain is, and so it's as far west as they knew to go. And so he's saying, I'm going as far away from where God told me to go that I can get. I just don't want any part of Nineveh. Talk about rebellion. That's going in the, the very opposite direction. And notice that it says here that Jonah went to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, can a person actually get out of the presence of the Lord? Can you run and get away from God? Is it possible to get to leave the presence of the Lord? Well, I'm here to tell you that God is omnipresent, which means he's everywhere. And you can run and you can run, but God, you can't get away from God. David wrote about that in Psalm 139. Here's what he said in verse 7. He said, where can I go from the, your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. If I take wings in the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. 
talks about darkness. It doesn't matter where you go. God is there. You can't leave the presence of God. And you can try to flee from God, but you can't ever get away from God. But I'll tell you what Jonah's doing. He is running. Because Jonah knows this, but he's running from the very will of God. God, this is what you want me to do, but I don't want to do it. So I'm going as far away from you as I can. You know who that reminds me of? The prodigal son. You remember the prodigal son? Jesus told that parable, and he said to his father, he said, basically, I just wish he was dead, and I had my inheritance right now. So his father said, here it is, go. And he goes to the far country, far away from his father, far away from his morals, from his standards, as he possibly can go. See, here's the problem when you get out of God's will. It's just easy to go as far from God's will as you can get. And your thinking gets warped and your morals are warped. And then the prodigal son, all of a sudden he realizes when his money runs out, his friends have run out, and he finds himself just trying to survive, and he's working in a pig pen, and he begins to desire the food that the pigs are eating. He's like, this is just crazy. I think I'm going to go back home to my father. Jonah is on the run. And here's what happens when you go on the run from God's will. You start a downward spiral. And one of the interesting things about chapter 1 is how many times you read the word down. Jonah went down to Joppa. He went down into the ship. He went down into the water. He went down to the fish's belly. It's a downward spiral running from God. And what we see is Jonah paid a fare. He paid a price. But here's what's going to happen. We're going to see this. As you study this book, what you find is running from God is very costly. And it costs Jonah in ways in which you can't, well, we're going to see. I won't share all of that with you today, but we're going to see. It cost him. And I can tell you this. If you're running from God, you're a Christian. Running from God is very costly. Let's get back to us. Let's get back to today. This is a new year. God uses his people. He works through his people. In 2022, God is wanting to be able to, he's not quit. He's wanting to be able to make a difference in people's lives. And he wants to work through his people. And you know what? God doesn't want you and I to take time off. He wants us to be used. We're living in a different age. We have to think differently, and we have to minister differently. There's some people, we've got people in our church, whenever they send out their bills or send out their merchandise, they put tracks with that. We've got people that uh, use those tracks when they're eating out. We've got people that are just rethinking how that they can minister and do things for God. And you know what? 2022, there's still people that need to hear about the gospel. And God wants you and I to be involved and in part, at a part. And we've got to figure out what we can do. And you know, you can say, well, I'm afraid. Throughout time, when God is at work in people's lives, people have been afraid. But the need is great, and the responsibility is great, 
And you and I have been called to meet the need and take on the responsibility. And so in 2022, we got to ask ourselves, God, what do you want me to do? I want to do your will. I was just reading in David Jeremiah's book on Ford. He talks here about a Lillian Thrasher. She was working in an orphanage in, in North Carolina, and she, but she felt called to become a missionary and, and went to Egypt. And she was with this lady that was dying, and this lady said, will you take care of my daughter? She was malnourished. And so she took her in. It was the beginning of an orphanage. And she started an orphanage, and she started not just an orphanage, but it was a school and ministry to take care of people. When she died in 1961, over 8,000 had come through, and she had ministered to that many people. But here's what she said from the very beginning. When she first started, she prayed this prayer. She said, Lord, I want to be your little girl. Lord, if ever I can do anything for you, let me know, and I'll do it. Will you pray that? Would you say, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do? And if it means going to an enemy, I'll do it. If it means being able to forgive somebody that I couldn't forgive, I'm willing to do it. If it means just stepping out and ministering to somebody that I don't think deserves it, I'll do it. If you're leading me, I just want to be your servant. And I'm willing to do it. New Year's resolutions, most people, they don't even last a month. The majority of people are done. They don't keep it a month. Very few make it six months. And even fewer. You're down below 20% that will make it the year. But what about walking in God's will? Would you be willing to submit to the will of God? You know what the book of Jonah is about, basically? Jonah was learning you could trust God. And he was learning, and when this thing is all said and done, Jonah learns it's just better to go with God, to trust Him, and to walk in His will. He actually knows what he's doing. He sees what we can't see. What I'm asking you today, do you really trust the Lord? And in 2022, are you willing to be obedient and just say, God, I trust you. I don't understand all of this, but I'm taking a step of faith toward you. And I'm going to do what you would have me to do. Let's have prayer together. Lord, thank you for letting us come today. For each of us that are here. And Lord, I, I thank you that I know that you worked in Jonah's life. There were some things that needed to change. And you were patient. And you gave him a, a second chance. And you helped him to change. Lord, help us to be able to be willing to be obedient. To go where you'd have us to go. To do what you'd have us to do. To speak as you would have us to speak. This world... Somebody needs to be an example. Somebody needs to be a voice of reason. Somebody has got to stand for you. Lord, may you help, help it be us. Lord, help it be the people here. Allow us to be difference makers. May your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen.